Please turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke. We're continuing our our look through the the Gospel of Luke. Um, And uh, we're looking at a a passage which is is interesting, although a little bit difficult sometimes to understand. You know, and, and sometimes people just sort of skip over it and they go on to the next bit because it's easier that way but I thought we'll stop we'll have a look at it and we'll try try and understand it and and uh, see what it says Luke chapter 11 and we'll be commencing at verse 33 Luke 11 33 before we do let's pray heavenly father we just ask now you might open our hearts and minds teach us lord we ask instruct us And have your word to shine upon us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, is that on? I hope... Yeah, it is. Let's just... That's better. That's better. Okay. Luke 11.33 No man, when he hath lighted a candle, putteth it in a secret place, neither under a bushel, but on a candlestick, that they which come in may see the light. Okay, that's a nice, simple, easy to understand thing, but already it it raises a question. Now, our our pastor is, uh, or has been for the past week, doing a a Bible college course, as he mentioned to you. And for those who are in the business of learning or teaching, (coughs) I would make the statement... Uh, which was taught, taught to me very, very early in my, my uh, learning career, that repetition is the key to successful learning. Now, if you didn't hear that, I'll repeat it. Repetition is the key to successful learning. It raises a question. Did Jesus repeat himself? Hmm. Does that passage there, no man when he hath lighted a candle, putteth it in a secret place, does that look a bit familiar? Like you might have seen it before? Have a look over at Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, back a bit. Luke chapter 8 and we're looking at verse 16. (coughs) Pardon me, 16. Luke 8, 16. No man when he hath lighted a candle... Covereth, with it, covereth it with a vessel, or put it under a bed, but setteth it on a candlestick, that they which enter in may see the light. Now, if you speak to some very learned gentleman, they'll try and tell you that, oh, that's a, a copyist's mistake, you see, they, they copied it down twice. And then when you look at it where the same material is recorded in Matthew, you see it's in a in a different spot. Now say, oh, well, that's because it was transposed by another scribe. When I was hanging around schoolrooms, they had a, a thing that I got, I overheard, called, I believe it's pronounced, uh, Occam's Razor. Right? Now, Occam's Razor is based on the, the also known as the Kiss Principle. Keep it simple, stupid. Because Occam's razor simply says, all other things being equal, the simplest explanation is nearly always true. 
Okay? The simplest explanation here is not that copyists made errors and that scribes moved it across and that people couldn't remember that they'd written it down three verses earlier. No. The simplest explanation is that Jesus repeated himself. That he used the same illustration more than once. Those of you who have been sitting under one preacher for a while will get used to this idea that a preacher will use an illustration more than once. And that's simply what's happened here. Jesus has used this illustration of a candlestick earlier when he was talking to other people. Now he uses it here. Same illustration, trying to get a message through to people. Why would you use the same illustration more than once? Well, maybe it's a really good one. Maybe it does what an illustration is supposed to do. It illustrates. So you use it more than once. So here he is again using this illustration of a candle. Now it's not a candle like we think of a candle. You know, we think, you know, long tapered wax thingy. No, no. It's a lamp. It's a light. The term candle we use for pretty much anything that illuminated. These would have been the common lamps that people used. And it's interesting, you know, how many times does it take God to say something to make it true? Once. But here God has said something twice. Now if he said it twice, it must be really important and well worth looking at. Okay? What do we need in order to see? You ever wondered that? What do you need in order to see something? I put it to you that the first thing you need is light. No matter how good your eyes are, you can't see in the dark. Nobody can see in the dark. Now, some people are better at seeing in the dark than others, you know, when they can see in just a little bit of light. Um, I can remember, you know, these, these kids going up to camp. I can remember great times at camp when it got dark, especially at, at the old camp with a lot more room to roam around in. And uh, I'd, uh, I'd get my, my group that had been that were in the, the, the cabin or the tent with me, and I'd say, guys, you know, let's go out and have some fun in the dark. And I'd say, you know, turn off all your torches, get your eyes used to the dark. And, and we'd creep around and do all sorts of things and, and cause trouble and it was a great time. Loved it up there. But you did need some light. You needed some light. The first thing we need is some light. And what did Jesus say of himself? In John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Jesus says of himself, John 8, 12. He then spake Jesus unto them, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Jesus frequently describes himself as light. 
Look over at just a few passages, a few verses into John chapter 9, verse 5. He says, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. It, it was one of John's favourite illustrations. Uh, one of his, his favourite ones was this thing of light. For In the start of the Gospel of John, John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with, with God, and the Word was God. The same in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made which was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. Verse verse 8, verse 9 rather, That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. So John loved this, this term, light. And he uses it frequently. The light was on public display. In John chapter 9. John chapter 9 verse 19. Sorry. I think that's 19.19. Yep, John nineteen nineteen. John nineteen nineteen. Yeah, we're going to Ah, sorry. Eighteen. Eighteen nineteen. We'll try that again. John eighteen nineteen. Then the high priest then asked Jesus of his disciples and of his doctrine and Jesus answered him I spake openly to the world I ever taught in the synagogue and in the temple whither the Jews always resort and in secret I have said nothing why askest thou me ask them which heard me what I have said unto them behold they know what I said Jesus spoke openly the light was openly displayed in fact you want to know how openly displayed Paul's defence before Festus which you'll find in, in, in Acts chapter 26 he says to them uh, speaking of, of, of what was happening he said that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles And as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberneth. For the king knoweth these things, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him, for this thing was not done in a corner. Paul, in his defence before Festus, says, Listen, king, you know what I'm talking about. This thing was not done in a corner. It was not hidden. It was done openly. Jesus preached openly. He taught openly. The light was open to all people. Listen, does not God place the sun in the sky? He doesn't put it 
underground. Why? Because the light needs to be out in the open. Light does no good when it's hidden. Where do we put street lamps? Do we put them in the gutter? No, we put them on a pole so that everybody can see the light. This is what Jesus says when we get back into Luke chapter 11. No man, when he lights a candle, puts it in a secret place. You don't light a candle, open a cupboard and put the candle in there. There's no point. Neither under a bushel. Now, not under a bushel, it means a bushel basket, you know, a, a thing, a bucket. You don't get a lamp and light it and put a bucket on top of it. Why? Because there's no point to doing it. The light needs to be on display. It needs to be out in the open. And that is what Jesus said he did. His light was not hidden. It was not done secretly. It was not done in a corner. He went into the temple and the synagogues and taught openly of what he was and what he was coming to do. The light is put up high so that all who come in can see. It's a very simple illustration which Jesus uses. You light a light, you lift it up so that everybody can see it. The light which came into the world has been lifted up that all mankind may see it. But there's something else you need before you can see. We have the light. The next thing you need is sight. If there's no light, you can't see. But if you don't have eyes, you can't see. Now, there are some creatures in the world who live in deep, dark caves. Uh, salamanders and newts and some little insect crickety things. They've got no eyes. They live in a cave and there's no light ever gets in there so they don't need any. They don't miss them. But it doesn't matter how much light you put into those caves, those animals still can't see because they have no eyes. The next verse is, verse 34, the light of the body is the eye. Okay. Where does the light come into your head? Through your ears? No. It comes in through your eyes. Now, you think, you know, well, I said this, this uh, passage can look a bit difficult to understand. You know, it's all about lights and candles and singles and holes and darkness. Now, just we'll work through it piece by piece and it'll explain itself. The light of the body is the eye. Your light comes into your body through your eyes. Yeah? Okay, there's no, no trouble understanding that. When your eye is single, whole, single, as in one, you know, that's what it means by single, when your eye is whole, when it's good, when it's working well, your whole body is full of light. Now, in simple terms, when we understand this, What's the opposite to single? Double. Now think of it like that. When your eye is single, one, you see okay. You get double vision. You can't see things properly. It's all blurry. 
These I do not wear for decoration. I wear them because if I do not, my vision is not single. I wear it and I can see because my eye is now single. It is whole. I see one line of print. I take it off and stand back here. Well, you know, the real problem isn't that my eyes are are fading. The real problem is that my arms are too short and I can't see things. That, but that's why, because otherwise it's doubled or tripled. When your eye is single, when it's whole, when you're seeing one thing, there's no problem. But when your eye has become corrupted, you do not see things properly. This is a, a thing which Jesus would have been quite or the, uh, uh, would familiar with and the people in his time would have been quite understanding that as people got aged or sick or diseased, their eyes were no longer whole. They saw double or triple or blurred vision. You need an eye which is working. Therefore, when thine eye is single, thy whole body is full of light. But when thine eye is evil, already we've got, now this is interesting. Right? When your eye is evil. You know they'd already heard this word? That word in, in Greek, ponoreos, evil. They'd heard that word before. Look back to verse 29. When the people were gathered together, he began to say unto them, This is an evil generation. This is a ponoreos generation. Why are they a evil, a ponoreos generation? Because they have evil ponoreos sight. They are looking at things distortedly. It's interesting that he'll use it again. In a few verses, perhaps a week or two's time, we may get to it. Verse, 20, verse 39, the Lord said unto him, Now do ye Pharisees make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but your inward part is full of ravening and wickedness. Ravening and ponareos. Same word is used to describe the wickedness in the heart of men. It's used to describe the distorted way that we look at things when our vision has been corrupted and it's used to describe that generation that they are an evil and a wicked, a ponoreos generation. So what does it mean to have evil sight? Evil sight. We all have a filtering system in our eyes. You know, we do. We all have a filtering system in our, in our intake to information. You think, you know, how, on the way you drove here, how many billboards did you see? Right? Well, you probably saw heaps of them. How many did you take any notice of? Well, none. Because your, your mind just filters them out once you've seen them once or twice. That's a filter that works to our advantage. Because if we stopped and analysed everything we saw, we'd never get anything done. So we've got this built-in filter that just helps us ignore things that are unimportant. Right? Now, most men have a built-in filtering system 
that filters out their wife's voice. You know, when she's saying, have you done this? Have you done that? All you hear is... It's a filtering system that helps men survive. (laughs) Teenagers have a built-in filtering system that filters out the words clean, tidy, room and homework. Filters it out. They never hear them. They say that helps them survive too, but I doubt. I I think it's more just an active process than a filtering system. We filter out the things which we consider to be unimportant. Now, but I ask you, and this is the question being raised here, where is your filter set? Have you set your filter to filter out the things of God so that they don't trouble you and distract you? Have you set your filter so that when the word of God and the claims of God and the message of God come into your life, will you filter them out? Ah, We should, in fact, have our filter set so it filters out the things of the world which will distract us. But so often we let those in. Now... We've got some, some fancy glasses uh, at my work and uh, I wouldn't mind getting hold of a pair of them but I, I don't know if I ever will. They are an ultra-high UV filter glasses. You put them on and they're like a very, very mild sunglasses. You can work, you can read with them and they're, they're great. But they are a total UV filter. That is because the men who work with them work with ultra-high UV lights and the danger is as they're working with them and one of them flashes on, they could get blinded by them because of the UV light is so intense. They're a bit similar to, you know, you've seen those, those welding masks that people use. Well, they used to make those so that they were just almost black and you couldn't see anything through them. And yeah, you'd be feeling around trying to start welding before the light came up. The new fancy ones they've got have crystals in them and, it, and you can see through them and see where you're going to weld and then when the, the welding starts, they go dark. Really cool, clever things. They've got a built-in filter to filter out the dangerous things. But you know, you can't drive a car wearing those. It's a bit dangerous because it filters out then what you need. Where have you got your filters set? Are you filtering out the things of God or are you filtering out the things of the world? Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, brethren... Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Where you got your filter set? Is your eye whole? Is it getting things focused as they should be or are you filtering out the things of God so they don't upset you? You know, sometimes God calls and wants to to bring things to our attention 
And the reception we get is, you know, like the snow on the TV set when you've got it set to a wrong channel. The filters are set wrong. The eye is not single. The eye has been corrupted. The people who Jesus has been condemning in these in the previous verses, verses 28 to 32 that we looked at last week, the people who he had been condemning there and saying in the, in the judgment to come, people who heard and listened and repented will rise up and condemn you. They had their, their sight so twisted and darkened that even the light of Christ had been distorted and perverted so that in verse 15 they call the Son of God an agent of Satan. Why? Because their sight was twisted. Their view of him and their view of everything had been perverted and twisted and deformed. Their eye had become total darkness and oh, how great was that darkness. When what comes in is not darkness, is not light, but darkness. We must let the light of the world come in and shine on all parts of our life and bring it light. We need to allow the Son of God and the Word of God to get in onto our lives and open up all the parts of our lives our lives to the scrutiny of the light. Let the light shine in and illuminate things. The people of Christ's generation and indeed of our own generation do not want the light to come in. John chapter 3 verse 19 says... This is the condemnation that the light of the world has come in and men love darkness rather than light. They scurry around like spiritual cockroaches when the light is shone on their sin. Have you been to a doctor or a dentist recently? You notice one of the first things they do is they get one of those big old lights on you Especially dentists do that, you know. You lean back there, and they op- open up, and then they shine this great big light in your mouth, in the, mouth and in your face. And then they stick both hands in your mouth and then ask you questions, you know. But that, you know, you know that great big light they shine on you? Why do they do that? It's because if they're going to see what's wrong, They need the light. A doctor frequently, you know, you've got a problem, you say, oh, it's got this thing. Come out, puts this big old light on it. Why? And then he peers, because if he's going to see what's wrong, he needs the light. If we are going to see what is wrong with our lives, we need the light of the glorious gospel of Christ to continue to shine into our lives. It's not something that happens just once and then you go, oh, my life's all fixed up, great. I don't have to worry about it anymore. We need the light to continually shine in and to tell us what's wrong and what's happening. 
There can be no diagnosis without light. Doctors and dentists don't work in the dark. They can't diagnose anything if they can't see the problem. So it is that the light of the Word of God and the power of the Son of God are to brightly shine down on our lives and faults and show up the imperfections. There's a promise here. Verse 36. If thy whole body therefore be full of light, having no part darkness, the whole shall be full of light, as when the bright shining of a candle doth give thee light. Now now look down, that having no part darkness, no part, that's in, 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 in Greek that's not one word, it's two. It's, it's hard to render in English and very difficult to render into good English. Because it's almost as if he's saying, having no, not any little bit, none at all part. Which is really clumsy thing, but that's the way it's getting at it. It's, it's an emphatic, no, not any little bit part of darkness. There's a promise that God will illuminate every problem. He will bring light into every flaw. Not for, for, to make you feel bad, but to make you feel good when you come to him in repentance and he fixes it up. Because the promise is that when he ha- these faults are brought to our attention and the word of God says, you've been missing out here, you've been falling down here, that if we confess those faults to God, he cleanses us and says, okay, it's done, it's fixed. God has redeemed me and he shall finish this job in the future, but still at this time, bit by bit, illuminating, fixing and shaping me into the image of his son that the whole will one day be full of light. That's the promise. That there is a glorious future awaiting when the Son of God has finally finished his work on us in glory and the whole will be full of light. There will be no darkness. It's one of the most glorious messages that there is to the Christian. That God is not content to leave you the way you are. God reckons he's not finished yet. That there's still some work to do. It's a wonderful promise to the child of God as we struggle through this world. As our souls are continually defiled by the problems of this world and the the things which so readily beset us, that God is not finished. There is more light yet to be shone upon our souls and more things yet to be done with our lives. It's a wonderful promise. Not there to make you feel bad and and, and make you feel like you've failed, but to promise you a future glory in heaven with him with no fault, no blemish, 
and a continual improvement in this world if you will turn and come to him and allow the power of the word of God and the light of the son of God to shine upon your life. Now, you can read the Bible yourself and that's excellent. That will illuminate a lot of your own problems and provide you with a lot of answers. But it really helps if you come to church and let someone else do the job for you. Really helps to be under the power of the preaching of the word of God. There is no substitute for the gathering together of God's people and to be under the power of the word of God. So, how single is your eye? You got spiritual double vision? James said that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Double vision makes it really hard to do things. I remember the story of a girl who who didn't want to wear glasses in front of her boyfriend. So she she thought she'd proved to him how little she needed glasses, so she she stuck a pin in a tree. And they're out walking hand in hand through uh, through the paddock, and she goes, Oh, look, in that tree, there's a pin. And he went... There is? I can't see anything. She said, look, I'll prove it to you. And as she walked over to pull the pin out of the tree, she tripped over a cow. Now, double vision. Some people are like that. that Their vision has been so distorted and they refuse to accept it. And they will trip over the cows of this world because they cannot see. And they will not see. The word of God is there to illuminate, to open our eyes, if we will let it. And look, I just can't help but, but say it again. You come to the church, to a good church, where the word of God is preached. Open the ears and the light will come in. So, take off the filters. Take off the sunglasses. Let the brightness of the glorious gospel shine into your soul. Let the word of God have free course in your life. Let the light of the Son of God into your heart and you will see things that you've never seen before. And you'll be able to say, as I do with the old Negro statement, That I ain't not what I should be. I ain't not what I could be. I ain't not what I want to be. But praise God, I ain't what I was. What are you today? Where are you headed? Have you allowed the light of the gospel to reach into your heart and the power of the word of God to change things in your life? Is your eye whole? Is it single? And have you removed the blinkers and the blinders and the filters so that the power of the word of God can change your life? Thank you.